Hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie and I'm joined by my co-host Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week we watched Parasite, a movie about slumber parties. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Love so, to stay uh, over at my friend's house. <laughs> just delightful. Yeah, yeah this uh, this was my pick. This is, I mean, 2019 Best Picture winner, so I, I you know you've probably heard of it. Uh, and it's a really good movie, and I'm going to recap it really quick, and then we will talk about it. So, Parasite, uh, 2019 Korean film, and it was, I believe it's the first foreign language film to win Best Picture, right? Or is it just the first? Yeah, no, it's the first non- It's the first foreign uh, okay. film to win Best Picture. It was a huge deal up. that it won Best Picture, and there was a lot of angry white boys who were very upset that it won and it was awesome (laughs) white boys be angry (laughs) like ted cruz i think ted cruz was very vocal about how upset he was that it won which is very funny (laughs) sounds like something he would do i I was surprised it won because i was shocked that a movie with subtitles won best picture i was like oh shit okay i didn't know the academy had that kind of attention span yeah Not that I mean I don't have that kind of attention span either. I'm not one. Yeah, you were texting anyway. us like throughout the entire film. It was really. I would know I wasn't. That's not true. <laughs> don't don't listen to him. He's like speaking of me not having an attention span. I'm actually going to recap the movie now. <laughs> uh, so Parasite it follows two families in South Korea. Uh, I don't think it specifies the city, but. South Korea, big population center. The uh, Kim family, who are very poor, and the Park family, who are very rich. They have a big house. Park is making a face because his name is Park. Uh, <laughs> I'll be anyway, my, my, my actual middle name. <laughs> the uh, So the uh, oldest son of the Kim family, his friend who is in college, and that he... The Kims have two children, a son and a daughter. They're both like early, mid-20s. The uh, Parks also have a son and a daughter. This will be relevant later. The oldest son's friend who is in college is tutoring the Parks' daughter who is in high school and goes to the uh, Kim family and is like, hey, if you need a job, which he does, you can tutor her while I am away studying abroad. And from here, they proceed to basically scam their way into taking over every job in the household with the kids being tutors and the parents being a driver and a uh, like housekeeper, which jobs they sorely need because they are extremely poor, as is made out very early on. This goes on for a little bit. Things spiral when the former housekeeper that they got fired shows up, and you discover that uh, giant spoiler alert now, if you haven't seen this movie, her husband is living in the fucking nuclear war bunker in their basement where she has been hiding him for years <laughs> since before the Park family ever moved into the house, uh, keeping him down in the basement and feeding him. Shit goes crazy and escalates eventually a cut like the next day he like breaks out multiple people die the end (laughs) the parasite so yeah this one like i said 2019 best picture winner or rather the 2020 awards year came out at the end of 2019 and i remember you guys watched this movie not long before uh covid and quarantines started to hit and i was like wow 
I heard this movie is really good. I should watch it. Had it on my watch list. Knew nothing about what it was about, but, you know, pandemic hit, and I was like, I am not going to watch this movie called Parasite right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I... I kind of, you know, assumed, but it's not. that's not what it's about. But I finally, you know, had an excuse to watch it now, and goddamn, this is a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, I think this was actually the second to last movie I saw in theaters before COVID hit. Uh, the last being Frozen 2, a much worse yeah. film. <laughs> that was the last movie I saw in theaters before COVID hit, too. Weird that we both saw that movie in theaters. Right. Uh, trying, I'm trying to see. I can't remember. It was either this or Joker was the last movie I saw in theaters. <laughs> Joker oh, yeah. was the last one because Joker came out in October. This and uh, Joker are great pre immediately pre-covid <laughs> film um but this frozen one two, not so much although i did quite enjoy it i must say it gets some hate but i thought frozen 2 was pretty good it, it was fine but it was it was no parasite <laughs> not really <laughs> a fair no comparison but, uh, i think i saw parasite in the optimum setting though um one of my best friends from knoxville dylan who used to be the president of cinema club before he graduated, came down to Atlanta and we went to the little uh, Park Plaza cin- cinema on Ponce, that little bitty independent movie theater. Is that the one that does like the room showings? They do uh, Rocky yeah, Horror showings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we watched it there. And I think that like it's grungy theater, yeah. old independent movie theater with like, you know, a good beer, great setting for watching this movie. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it was I was I was actually thinking of this when I was watching the movie this time around of uh, how much I would have liked to see this movie. And like, there's no real way to set this up, (laughs) but to see a movie or really any foreign film like in the country that it is made in, but with English subtitles, because I was curious, like, how many jokes am I missing? Like what is hitting for like Korean audiences that I'm missing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, I feel like you get a lot of that in like any theater experience where like there'll be a joke that goes over your head if you watch it alone but if you're in a theater suddenly parts that you didn't think were funny you're like oh people really like that or like they thought that was funny or i don't know mm-hmm. i i think that would be that's something that i miss the most about going to theaters now where i don't like go nearly as much as i used to um but also i don't know i think any foreign film kind of has me thinking of like what am i what am I missing out on? Yeah. yeah. The jokes part, I think, is a particularly good question for this one because it, the first half of Parasite is genuinely very funny. Yeah. They, they all hit, for, or, or yeah. many of them hit for mm-hmm. American audiences, I think. Uh, the, in, yeah. the entire first half of this movie, like, I went into it completely blind, only having watched the first trailer. And I thought that in some way it was almost going to be a comedy. Just by the way it feels, you know, the trailer doesn't really reveal too much that's, like, dark. It does a good job hiding everything. Yeah. And then you kind of get, like, slapped across the face by this film. (laughs) In the best way possible. Yeah, there's really no predicted... Unless, I mean, it's just, like, straight up spoiled for you. It really can catch you off guard yeah (laughs) pretty well which i have to say i haven't seen a lot of like korean films i've only seen actually four i guess like this old boy 
burning and uh, like a horror movie called uh, The Wailing. And hmm. almost every one of them had either an like absurd <laughs> twist going on or just left me like emotionally wrung out. I don't know how I'm assuming all Korean cinema is not exactly the same as this, but I just <laughs> the four I've happened to see have been like just like the kind where like you leave a theater just like exhausted in a good way, you know, but yeah, uh, really pulling no punches in at least the stuff that like makes it to the U S <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Cause like old boy when, I mean, it hits its escalation point much earlier in the movie, but it's extremely drastic and jarring. <laughs> it, it hits the like, escalation point and then it doesn't really come back down. Like you, you stay, <laughs> at that level for so yeah. long. And then the end of the movie, you're kind of left feeling like shit. <laughs> Whereas I parasite is a much slower ratcheting up of the tension, but it does it so, <laughs> so good. Oh yeah. Really I really like, you could just feel it coming the whole time. It's great. Yeah. It's really, it, it, it builds tension so well. And it, at, at the same time, like I have a hard time even like, Okay, even IMDb has a hard time like describing or putting the movie into like a category. It's, it says mm -hmm. like comedy, drama, thriller, and it, it kind of goes for a lot of different things at once, which I think can be kind of hard to juggle like comedy in a movie like this because I wouldn't even consider it like a it's not like a black comedy or anything. It's just no. there no. are funny there are funny parts until the film becomes not funny anymore. <laughs> 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 Suddenly it's yeah. not a joke, right? Uh, incidentally, that sort of happens in The Wailing too. I was actually going to have us watch that movie until Charlie picked this, so I might like wait. For... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wait yeah, we could do back to back Korean movies. I guess. Yeah. I mean, we do back to back but... American movies all the time, so I guess that's true. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I, I, I have so many thoughts about so many parts of this movie. Uh, so let's do something completely unnecessary and start in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So after, I think the, the, the cinematography in this movie is excellent and there's not anything that I could think of that's like, wow, what like a crazy idea for a shot where they did some insane camera trick. Maybe they did at some point. I'm just not aware of it. But the way that everything is lit and blocked and all that looks incredible. Yeah, <laughs> and is. there's there's two parts of this that like really stick out in my mind. One is the door down to the basement where it's just this fucking void yep. in the kitchen. <laughs> and every time anybody goes in or out of it, it looks so sinister. And I love it. The other one, and this is a weird one, is when the uh so after they escape the house and there's the huge flood downtown where they live and their half basement apartment is flooded out and the sister is just like sitting on top of the toilet that is just spewing shit as the sewer backs up <laughs> she's just like everywhere on like top the storm drain yeah like her just smoking on top of this disgusting toilet in a flooded apartment. I, something about that shot is just burned into my brain. Maybe it's because of the poop, but I think it, it, it is like, I mean, you don't see many shots like that, but I do. No, I, I, 
Uh, on the rewatch, I guess I sort of have the opportunity to like. Uh, one of my favorite things about rewatching movies is getting to like pay more attention to like cinematography stuff. And I think I agree with you that like it isn't like really like flashy. I guess like there's no like mm-hmm. big like wonder that I can think of or doing like super crazy camera stuff. But it's uh, everything looks very nice, and I-, I think this movie did a really great job of like having shots that incorporate like uh like height differences or like verticality that i didn't Mm -hmm. really notice the first time around which is so important for like the themes of the story right like the poorer characters are always like physically below like the richer people and it feels like the city they're in is like literally like people built on top of each other you know and in that scene you're talking about when they were going back home to where it was uh like flooding just like the verticality of it as you see them like descending back down from like these like this like rich people's home and uh having to like wade through the muck which incidentally never do that just leave leave your stuff if there's if you're in a city and it's flooding because that that is sewage and the flood getting sick from the flood water kills more people in floods than drowning so really do not (laughs) i know they needed it for the movie but you really super should not do that (laughs) no they this like they do a great job in this film of also i've so i've been playing around with a with a new high-end dslr camera and so i'm learning a lot about image sharpness and things like that and every shot in this movie is incredibly sharp and every detail is visible like i know all modern movies are hd but there is almost this strange disconnect in this one i mean i want to say strange because it makes sense where the shots in the uh like the the basement apartment all feel like dirty not as clear, not as bright. And then all of the shots when they're up on the up in the rich neighborhood, which incidentally is literally on the top of a hill. It's yeah. so perfect. Um, everything is super sharp, super bright. Every detail is in focus. Uh, so it gives you even more of that, like visual disconnect between the two worlds. Yeah. And I think the. Also, the like the set design does so much for that of like the house is just such a a perfect depiction of like when people have a so little good. too much money and it's like, yeah, it like it looks very pretty, but it like feels kind of like you're in a museum more than like yeah. a home, you know, because like I think there's like an amount of money you get where you cross that line from like nice house that feels like a home to like nice house that feels like you're in an art gallery somewhere and like it just doesn't i don't know some people like that All, stuff but like to me it's a little like creepy the marble <laughs> you know? floor open floor plan with all the furniture super spaced out super sparse yeah like right like as expensive know. as it can be with also being as minimalistic as it can be Every home, <laughs> every home needs a chair that everyone throws their coat on. When they yes. come in. You need a you need a clothing chair to make it feel like a real home. <laughs> if you don't have that, you're a monster. <laughs> yeah, and like every now and then, there's these little more human touches to the house. Like the uh, the first thing that I noticed when they when he goes in the first time is the uh, suction cup arrows. 
from the little, you know, toy bow and arrow, just like yeah. stuck on the wall while they're walking around. And yeah, there's, there's times when it feels lived in, but there are a lot of times where it does. It just feels like a display case. Yeah. Or like, and usually the housekeepers, you know, hoovering up whatever yeah. lived yep. in feeling there is. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of the earlier part of the movie though, when they first get to the house, so sort of the, to get more in depth with the setup here, basically, so they all the uh, the Kim family all gives these like fake English names, which I it's like my interpretation is like it's a status thing of like having studied in America and knowing English, and you have your your English name to you know do business with the Western world or whatever. Yeah, that comes up a lot um, in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very prominent thing because that's what he's tutoring is uh, English for the the Parks daughter. So they all have these like extremely elaborate backstories and this basically huge con setup where they all, you know, have invented characters and aliases that know each other and introduce themselves in a chain to replace jobs that they get other people kicked out of in sort of like pretty, uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Not brutal, but ruthless yeah, fashion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ruthless. They're not... Uh, the the poor families, they're not like... Uh, they're not like good people <laughs> in this movie. The, the movie isn't like... They didn't pick like the obvious route of like have the poor family be like perfect angels or whatever, right? Like they... Mm-hmm. The very complicated characters. Yeah. yeah, they're complicated and they're scrapping. They're you know they are yeah. fighting for survival. <laughs> That's made clear early on is that they, this is basically a family of people that have had to hustle up odd jobs and money wherever they can for who knows how long, and have been put in a disadvantageous position. It comes up with uh, the older brother very early on when he's he's talking to the friend that sets him up with a tutoring job where he's like. You know, you had great scores on all the college entrance exams that you were taking when you were in your military service, right? But you never went, but you can, you know, I know you're smart enough to bullshit your way through this job while I'm gone. I'm setting you up as like a favor or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he really, like the entire family is. is incredibly good at conning this other family yeah yeah <laughs> they're very good at it it rules i love seeing these rich people get owned it's so sad the first half of the movie is some of the most satisfying stuff <laughs> it's so really good great. yeah and it the sort of like sinister undertones are there when they're you know getting the original driver and housekeeper fired out of their jobs yeah but mm. for the most part it's just like Ha ha, look at these stupid rich people getting owned. Which is great. It's fun. It's funny. Um, but it's interesting how it plays thematically into the movie. Because the for whatever reason, the word central metaphor kept running through my head when I was watching this. Which it's, is weird because it's, so it's kind of not one. <laughs> <laughs> so metaphorical. That's probably why, is because he says that like five times. I went, was that supposed to imply that he doesn't actually know what metaphor means? I think I it, kind of I thought that was the case. It's but. a mix of yeah, him trying to sound smarter than he is, and also I think a little bit is like Bong Joon Ho making fun of uh, us <laughs> doing this yeah, right that's now. Fair. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's true. Because yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like there is no metaphor in the movie. It's extremely literal. It's very direct. <laughs> 
very straightforward. Uh, kind of reminds me of uh, what's it called? Sorry to bother you. Well, yeah, the, that's <laughs> we was... we talked about this when we did that with the uh, you know Boots Riley talking about it in the movie. They do it themselves. Like stop trying to like interpret this. Like we're telling you exactly what we mean. And that is what this movie does. Where it's like, you know, there is a parasitic relationship here, and it's not these con artists mooching off of the rich people, right? It yeah. Is, yep. The like, other way around. <laughs> and isn't it interesting how they have to uh, ruin someone else's life to have their own not be ruined? You know, like mm-hmm. maybe there should be some sort of way for. Uh, not to have like this people who are forced in forced to be destitute you know just because they lost mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know there's actually like a, there's actually a couple of lines i was I actually much brought this up earlier but y'all were kind of on a roll so i didn't want to interject but there's a couple of lines that can be drawn from this too sorry to bother you and it even goes to like the using like a white american name to teach english like using your white person voice when you're doing sales, mm. you know, it's, it's yeah. this, like, it's the same thing of trying to show a different status or a different class to succeed. Yeah. Like they only, when they set up the sister's backstory, they made sure she went to like Illinois state yeah, she instead the... of any, <laughs> the world renowned Illinois state, <laughs> I I no shade to, I, have, I know nothing about the school, but, uh, instead of, you know, anywhere in like, you know, South Korea, but, uh, yeah, it is. It is amazing how much, especially like the rich mom references, like America, and like I think they even talk about uh, there's some when the kids in like the teepee, and she's like, "Oh, we ordered it from America. It won't leak." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What are you talking about. <laughs> yeah, it, the movie I think is very clear in like establishing that the the relationship that South Korea has with the U.S. Yeah, our bad. Part of the problem. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. The whole situation over there. Yeah, and that okay. So that is the one of the things that I think is most fascinating about this movie, especially now in 2022 in the post Squid Game world. <laughs> we have to talk about Squid Game, even though I'm the God only damn one who watched it. Well, okay, because here's the thing: Parasite much better than Squid Game. Much better than Squid Game, but. Squid Game was mostly pretty good and ended up having way more cultural reach. That's just the reality. It's a huge viral Netflix hit. It's like their most watched show ever. See, but it also had a lot of people misinterpret the meaning of Squid Game and start making their own Squid Games. Why you don't see people killing each other like Parasite. No. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I mean, if they are, you would never know because they're hiding in the basement. True, they're <laughs> they living in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> All the... the people in your walls are being very quiet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, the, the mass reach of Squid Game has led to more, uh, I was going to say problematic interpretations, <laughs> but I'm going to go with wrong interpretations. A- annoying ter- interpretations. Yeah, annoying interpretations and appropriations of Squid Game. Didn't on like YouTube. Saudi Arabia com. also say they're doing one? Probably. I don't know. That <laughs> wouldn't surprise Dude, I'm me. Still, I'm still waiting on Neom or whatever their, their city that will cr- sever oh, the country yeah. in half. <laughs> The one that was going to sponsor Riot Games. Big things coming. <laughs> Hooray. 
<laughs> Anyways, okay. Squid Game. I have to talk about Squid Game for a second. <laughs> because thematically Squid Game and Parasite are similar in that they are very on the nose despite some people not getting it critiques of South Korean capitalism and in particular the way that it has been established and influenced and enforced by the US and you know neo-colonialism post-Korean war and our intervention there and it's really interesting to me that you know, a lot of a lot of media comes over to the US and gets consumed here from various parts of Asia, but the two biggest Korean on-screen things I can think of by a mile in the last couple of years are Parasite and Squid Game, which again yeah. extremely on the nose critiques of South Korean capitalism mm-hmm. in a way that you don't see reach that kind of mass appeal and critical success in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Sorry to Bother You is a good example. It's a really good movie that I love. It was. It's not any kind of mass hit. It's like, it's a, not like a popular film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Whereas, again, Squid Game is the most watched thing Netflix has ever had, which is Insane. That is a lot of goddamn people watching it. Yeah. Anytime you're beating The Office <laughs> or whatever. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, The Office is only on Peacock now, Will. Okay, but... well, whatever. <laughs> it was on Netflix for a while, and every single yes. person on Tinder has seen it. This is true. Now, <laughs> so just kind of referencing the themes of this movie, I was incorrect at the beginning. It was not Ted Cruz who was upset about this film justice for Ted. It was actually Donald Trump who brought it up at a rally saying, how bad were the Academy Awards this year? Did you see? And the winner, it was a movie from South Korea. What the hell was that all about? We've got enough problems with South Korea and now we give them best movie of the year. Let's get gone with the wind back. Let's bring back that movie. Literally a movie that glorifies the exact opposite of this film. Bring back the movie about white people on a plantation. (laughs) What what problems does the U.S. even have with South Korea? They seem to be kind of... Are they cultural not, awareness uh, of the problems with capitalism? Say, are, are, are they not homies? Are they not? Is, <laughs> is the government of, of South Korea not like basically designed from the ground up by the United States? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not like an expert on like the history of that part of the world, but I think I thought that was kind of on us. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that, like, the only thing with... <laughs> the only thing I could think of that is close to this kind of messaging with this kind of mass appeal is Sorry to Bother You, which, again, yeah. Yeah. nowhere close to that level of actual success and audience reach. I don't know. Maybe it's been watched by more Americans than Parasite. Did Sorry to Bother You make has. it to the Oscars? I don't think so. I mean, it's been on Hulu for years now. I hope a lot of people have watched it because it's really good. Politics aside, I think it's just a good movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, 
that's the other thing with Squid Game is they're both very on the nose, but like Squid Game is still a metaphor and that leaves it open to the kind of like nonsensical misinterpretations you get with everything from like, you know, this is about North Korean communism to Mr. Beast making a YouTube video where he's like, what if we did a squid game? Like you, that's an insane <laughs> thing to do. This is a movie about people getting shot in the head when they lose at red light, green light. <laughs> What's wrong with you? What do you mean? <laughs> Wait, is the, okay, so is the official stance of our podcast, uh, any, any writer who uses subtext is a coward. Yes. <laughs> is that what you're saying? No subtext. The thing no is, metaphors. I, I, only tell me what uh, to think. But, but there's got to be somebody that watched Parasite and was like, "This is about how poor people are criminals, and we need more police." Oh, I can. We almost, need police inside of rich people's houses. I can almost guarantee that, like, yeah, someone watched this as like oh, a horror movie from the perspective of the rich family. Like, mm-hmm. what will be that's, done to them? That's probably why you know the Trump was so against it because he clearly there's no way Donald. Oh, Trump he probably never watched. There's it. zero percent chance. You, but yeah, people like Donald Trump probably don't like this movie. I doubt Jeff Bezos likes this movie. I doubt Elon Musk. Li- Elon Musk might like this movie in some weird fucked up way. Yeah, uh, Elon probably, Musk probably was like, "This movie is great because it won Best Picture and is from Korea, but doesn't understand it at all because he's a <laughs> giant fucking idiot." <laughs> Very dumb. Uh, much like the the rich well really they, they make the the rich mom out to be the biggest idiot but mm-hmm. I, I guess the dad is no prize but I, I i gotta say her like acting in this movie was spot Excellent. on i didn't realize how much the like rich housewife who like doesn't like literally like doesn't even take care of her, her kids and is just like <laughs> hanging out doing whatever uh, like that archetype really spanned across cultures better than I realized because I have met this woman. Universe. Oh yeah, I've met this woman <laughs> in my life many times. <laughs> like, it's really something. And like I- I've met the like the dad too, right? But she was just so well. Re- like down every mannerism was perfect. Just. Mm-hmm. Her performance, really, I feel like people don't talk her up very much because her character is despicable, but, like, man, she knocked it out of the park. And I don't so much think that, like, the rich family is dumb. I just think that they are they, they are so naive to everything yeah. that Gullible, they come off guess, as so. dumb. Yeah, they're just, they have no idea what life is like outside of their, you know, shiny walls and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh but no, the acting in this film is just incredible. I mean, from everybody, because Very like good. it, it's already a special skill to be able to portray somebody else. Now you have characters in this film portraying somebody else, portraying somebody else, but still keeping their original character. They're double. Act- I hope they paid them twice. Like <laughs> they're double acting. <laughs> uh, which like upfront sounds like okay, you're just playing two characters in a film, but like you have to keep some identity of the first character you're playing in your second character, but you don't want them to overlap too much. Like you don't want to completely replace one with the other. I think they do a particularly good job with that, with the parents, 
Yes. It's stuff like, I mean, it's, this is extremely on the nose, but we're, you know, talking about a pretty on the nose movie, but the just like ass grab when he's walking in the house behind her and like everybody else is in front of him. <laughs> like, that's pretty funny. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's a thing I can believe that guy would do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. They, the writing has such a good read on each character too, that like mm-hmm. everything feels very right. <laughs> There are there are not many best picture films that like I have watched and then just been a hundred percent like yes this deserved the award this is one where that nothing else could compete with this yeah I definitely I left the theater the first time being like holy shit that was so good and on it's great on the rewatch too it was just as good the second time I mean I guess I had like two years in between but it man (laughs) 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 it's so solid. So how many Best Picture winners have we watched now? Is it just this and Nomadland? In my head, I was thinking it was this, Nomadland, and There Will Be Blood, but then I remember that There Will Be Blood didn't win. It lost to No Country. It lost to No Country, Uh, yeah. Which, fair enough. What a year, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And The Dark Knight, are you kidding me? Oh my god. (laughs) Jesus. Um, Give me one second, I can tell you. Um, I'm pretty sure these are the only two. I, in my head, I was like, what is the, like, jump cuts pantheon of, like, <laughs> I, I was thinking best picture winners, but then again, I realized we only watched two. And I, Nomadland was fine, but. Because yeah, Portrait didn't it, win because it was a yeah. foreign film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they weren't ready Was yet. it nominated? Or wait, was it the same year as Parasite? No. I really don't. So Portrait of a Lady on Fire. 2020. It, I don't know what a word year it, it was. Came, Portrait of a Lady on Fire came out, I think like in a weird gap where it missed the previous years and was too early for the next years. There was, mm. I, I was reading something about it when we watched it that like it missed the whole circuit. Because I remember uh, seeing an ad for it in Parasite, like before Parasite, watching the previews in the theater, Portrait of a Lady on Fire was there, and I was like, yeah. "Like, ooh, that looks fun. That lady is uh, on fire." <laughs> they showed that in the trailer. Yeah. I just discovered I, that there's watched, another jump cuts, and I'm upset. We, <laughs> we watched uh, Nomadland and then two other nominees for last year, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire was by far better than all three of them. Portrait of a Lady on yeah. Fire is to this day, one of the best films I have ever watched. Yeah, I still think I I thought Parasite was really good. I still think it's the best movie we watched on the show. Amadeus. Um, Amadeus was the best picture winner. Amadeus was one of the most award-winning films of all time. I forgot about that. I forgot about Amadeus. Boy, was that Amadeus was also very good. Very long. But yeah, I did like the movie. I was very impressed with you this week, Charlie, picking a movie that is two hours and 14 minutes long. <laughs> Hi, listen, I wasn't going to say anything because I won't complain about runtime if it justifies it. And this movie justified every second of its runtime. It does. It really does. There's not, yeah, yeah. there's not a lot of d- downtime or uh, any scene that feels wasted, you know, it's all. Yeah. I, I, I think that helps that like so much of the movie is like a, you know, Ocean's Eleven style, <laughs> like infiltrating <laughs> these these, these yeah. people's homes. It's not you know presented that way, but uh, yeah. and those scenes like that are always so fun to watch. Just like watching a plan come together. <laughs> yeah, and they start that at exactly the right time. That's part of why it works so well. Is because you have this first like forty five minutes to an hour of putting the con together 
and it's starting to work, but you're like, this is something is going to have to go wrong. And as soon as you get in that situation where the family, the, the park family is gone. The Kim family is just crashing in their house for the weekend uh, while they're out camping because they can. You're like, okay, this is when something has to go wrong. Yeah, because yep. it, it feels and it like, is. Yeah, things are they're they're celebrating their victory, right? It's like they're winding mm-hmm. down. This would be the end of the TV show episode, <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then oh. the doorbell ringing that would be the cliffhanger ending. Yeah. But uh, did you? So it didn't get spoiled for you. Or like, were you expecting? A man to be I living in the basement. No. <laughs> no. So, what I knew about this movie, I mean, I knew it was like about capitalism and a poor family in a rich family. I thought in my head, <laughs> maybe I read a spoiler and just categorized it wrong because I thought that the rich family in the movie literally lived above them in the building. I thought it was like who they were stealing Wi-Fi from in the first scene. Uh, gotcha. Which great scene by the way where they like sit down at the dinner table is like you know, today we can be thankful for this glorious Wi-Fi or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I for some reason that was what I had in my head. I thought there was going to be more of like a future tech aspect to it of something weird going on i don't know where i got that from maybe just from the posters where they've got like the black strips over the eyes yeah it looks uh, like which i now recognize as like criminal anonymity poster but it could uh, i get how it could be like a science fiction looking poster for sure yeah which it's not but i am very glad that that is what i thought because obviously that is not what happens. So when what happened happened, my jaw just dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I sort of had like, I mean, when you see the, so when the housekeeper shows up and everybody else hides and then she starts going down into the basement in this like frantic hurry, you're like, okay, there's something down there. That's a problem. First thing I thought was a body. I was like, she like buried someone in the basement. And then I was like, what if there's like a person hiding in the basement? And that's what happens. But like the, the way it builds up to that and goes through that is so yeah, good. Like the reasoning and the extent of, of mm-hmm. it is all very uh, unexpected. And I got to say it hit, it, it hit really different uh, seeing this movie just before oh, COVID God. and uh, <laughs> deep, deep into it now of the guy who has been in the same room for like four years <laughs> just uh yeah. he's like uh and even at the end when like the the dad is in there and he's like things get weird <laughs> i feel strange being in this room all alone <laughs> passing the time is odd and i'm like oh boy <laughs> yeah. i i do love the hints to it though that like almost you almost just kind of like brush off because there's so the little boy has like seizures or like almost like panic induced seizures that he got because he saw a ghost come out of the basement one night, yeah. um, which you later discover is the man when he sees the man again and has a seizure at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. But you also see the lights flickering on and off at the top of the stairs, which you later learn he can control from the basement and that's how he communicates is through Morse code using the lights. 
Yeah, and the kid is the only one who notices it. And yep. I don't know, did they say he knows Morse code or is he just see the light? Like flickering? I think he, you know, he's learning Morse code because he's like got like an American the voice. Scouts. Yeah, 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 he's yeah, like yeah, an American yeah, Boy Scout. Yeah, so he's, they think he's schizophrenic and uh, it's, 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 it's hilarious that the, uh, the sister like, it's like, oh, this we call this the schizophrenia zone of yeah, the painting. And then it's like, oh, no, the kid is literally hearing voices because there's a man in the basement speaking to him <laughs> through Morse code. <laughs> That's why he's so weird all the time. <laughs> there was another one where they, uh, the uh, wife was saying something about, like, oh, the housekeeper, like, she eats like two people. How does she eat that much food? Yep. It's like, yep. uh. Although, I don't know what the implication was later when she said that, like, she was buying all of the food she was bringing down to him herself. Maybe she was lying. She, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, yeah, either maybe she's lying or she's saying, like, she's paying for the groceries herself. The standoff scene after they she takes the video of them falling down the stairs incredible yes yeah the way they're like literally holding their hands up like she's got a gun on them because effectively she does yeah yeah although, it's not gonna kill them then but like it's very bad for them mm-hmm. although i don't know what she thinks is gonna happen when they're like oh what we have a bunker what do you mean you should go check it out and they find like her husband and then a weird shrine to the the dad who owns the house of, of him like yelling up like respect yeah <laughs> like as he dies mm-hmm. again a very on the nose like they had they have this patriarchal like feudal fucking relationship with this family yeah uh it's uh it's interesting seeing kind of like the two different families' reactions to it. Two different families, meaning like the two poor families that are like vying mm-hmm. to like leech off of this uh, like rich family, right? Of like the the original family, just the housekeeper and the guy underground are like they it, it are the wife seems sort of neutral, and then like the uh, underground man is lost his mind and is you know has this reverence towards the dad and he tries to communicate with him and stuff. Uh, but then like the new family is like, Oh, these are chumps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just milk them for all they're worth and get out of here. If we, you know, they run out of money or something, you know, they don't have much reverence for them at all. Uh, it's just fun seeing like the two different sort of reactions to, <laughs> or two different opinions that they all seem to have. How weird was it when, uh, that on the underground guy was eating that banana. <laughs> he was yes. really going that to town on that thing. Disturbing. <laughs> Just housing that banana. Uh, that guy, another excellent actor in this movie, did a great job of uh, seeing, seeming mentally unstable. Just being yeah. creepy as shit. Yeah, uh. And being... Uh, but, you know, p- part of me was like... And he was like, you know, I feel like maybe I've always been down here. Like, maybe my wedding was down here, you know, and... I was yeah. like, that scene hit very differently in 2022 than it did in 2019. I gotta Maybe say. Maybe I've always lived with my parents. Have I ever left this house? Yeah. Uh, I was definitely feeling some type of way about my apartment back in like mm-hmm. 2021. <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. 
the makeup when he comes out of the basement at the end and starts killing people with the blood on his face incredible yes. yeah very scary absolutely horrifying i love it do we want to talk about the the ending i know we kind of like briefly yes. hit on it at the very beginning but i i think we need to really get into this birthday party massacre that happens yeah. uh yeah i think i think the ending as a whole is i mean it you know it's what solidifies the movie as being fan fucking tastic yeah boy, boy does that kid have a lot of traumatic birthdays <laughs> two in a row yeah. <laughs> oh yeah because that's right it was on his birthday he had like snuck back down he to the kitchen the to birthday. eat some more ice cream or like get some cake out of the fridge and saw the guy coming out of the basement yeah well and i guess another he didn't... great shot when they show the like there there's a part where the guy is like reminiscing about his life in the hole or whatever and they show just like his eyes at the floor level in the again black void that is the door to the basement very creepy amazing Uh, and i guess sorry i cut you off will uh, and i guess the kid passed out as soon as he saw the guy before he started killing everyone so i guess he was spared that but he had Mm. he's had a rough couple years (laughs) (laughs) not doing so good nope but yeah so the you know the guy, he comes out of the basement, he gets the rock. The rock is an interesting... Oh, yeah, we haven't really talked too much about the, the, the rock fortune symbol. rock. Yeah, the fortune Weird rock. gift. <laughs> That's the one thing where I'm like, is it a metaphor? And I kind of think it's not <laughs> also. So that's the first time he says, like, so metaphorical, right? But his college friend gives him basically just, like, a big, cool rock on a pedestal. He's like, this is a gift for good fortune. Uh, and I think it's pretty clear that it's like what is the point and use of this thing he doesn't need a big rock he needs money he needs a job yeah <laughs> needs the ability to survive and then he ends up ultimately almost dying because he gets clubbed over the head with the the big rock yes. <laughs> into the movie i really thought he was dead the first so time. did i i kind of thought I he was too. dead the second time i was like wait how does this character survive he's got brained by a rock twice Mm-hmm. I for sure thought he was dead. Yep. Yeah, I was. I was surprised when he started think, talking about I, when I woke up yeah. or whatever. I think if you do that to someone, they would they would probably die in real life. Well, like he he is yeah. left with like pretty severe brain damage. Like he he can't yeah. help but like laugh and smile. Like even at his sister's funeral, which yeah, he's, another he's, spoiler: he's the now. sister gets stabbed by the basement man. Uh, yeah. And she does die. Yes. She definitely dies, yeah. Very dead, yeah. She's dead, and the park dad is dead uh, because Mr. Kim stabs him to death. So we haven't talked too much about one of the the themes that kind of falls along with this movie is Mr. Kim's, like, body odor. Uh, (laughs) His stank. Mr. Park always kind of describes him as like smelling like old turnips, I think is what he says. Like old radish or something. Old radish, yeah. And uh, like at one point when they're hiding from the parks, like under the couch, he's talking to his wife about it. And, you know, it it, over the course of the movie, every time it gets mentioned, it, it gets to Mr. Kim more and more and more. And at the end of the film, after Mr. Park kills the guy attacking everybody at the party and he starts to turn over the corpse, he 
smells the guy's body and he like he turns away and holds his nose again or like you know he clearly is like offended by the body odor of the man who's been living in a basement room for four years he probably smells awful but mr kim (laughs) picks up a knife and then proceeds to stab him in the chest stab mr park in the chest and kill him yeah which again very on the nose because the kid he doesn't really have a seizure. He kind of just faints like one of those comical fainting goats. Yes. <laughs> uh, that Like when you surprise them, they just fall over. He's a fainting it, goat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, he's a, the little kid is a fainting goat. But yeah, he passes out and there immediately all of the rich people scramble to the house, take the kid. And he's like, I, you know, we got to get him to the hospital immediately as the Kim daughter is clearly bleeding to death yep. massively on the ground in front of everyone. And they immediately just abandon the poor people to knife fight each other to the death in the fucking gladiator pit to, you know, take care of their kid that passed out like a fainting goat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's fine. Yeah. They're doing the rich, um, the rich parent thing where they like believe that something is wrong with the kid when there isn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's weird. But yeah, but yeah, I, it, it's it's very again direct yeah. what they're getting at here, which yeah. is like this is the smell thing is part of it, but it's like you know the final straw for Mister Cam, where he's like, well, they're just abandoning us to you know scrap and claw over each other, which this is what I meant to bring up with the Squid Game thing is specifically. It's about that competitiveness, right? And in this, in in Parasite, they're pushing people out of jobs. In Squid Game, they play red light, green light, and tug of war and get shot in the head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's the same thing where the people forced to compete against each other for scraps. And that's the, the final breaking point is, you know, people get killed at the end of this movie. Yeah. Also, like, him constantly having to, like, uh, I guess k- kind of not kiss the guy's ass. It's like the actual definition of emotional labor. How like it's not good enough to show up that you have to like smile about it. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. where he's like has to work overtime and like put on an Indian headdress and like again be part of this kid's birthday. And he's like a driver for him. And he's like yeah. he's like hey, you're getting paid like overtime for this you know you should be happy (laughs) it's like oh my god dude (laughs) like he hasn't slept at all he's like probably still covered in like sewer water like his home just got destroyed uh there's people underneath the the bucket he's had a very very bad 24 hours right uh Mm -hmm. you can just feel the like tension building and that the rich dad says all the wrong things to him. <laughs> yep. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think the end highlights part of the generational dynamic in this movie really interestingly, too. Because there's sort of like a not dream sequence, but daydreaming sequence, I guess, where he figures out, uh, the son figures out from Morse code that his dad who killed the other dad is now hiding in the basement of the house, which is now occupied by some Americans that just moved here. Yep. Germans or some kind of white people. Okay. Germans, excuse me. 
um, yeah, figures out that he's in the basement. And the end of the movie is him imagining, he's like, I am going to get you out of there. I'm going to find a way to, you know, it's not going to be college or tutoring or some silly thing that gets me one half step up the social ladder. I am going to become wealthy and buy this house so I could let you out of the basement. <laughs> so you can, which is nuts. But the yeah. way that, but also doesn't happen. Well, yeah, like the way they set up this ending is, you know, at first you almost think like, Oh my God, like, is this movie going to end on some weird twisted happy note of him getting it? Mm-hmm. But then it just cuts back to the basement apartment with him writing this letter saying he's going to do it kind of like ending on like, this is his aspiration, but he has to do it. Yeah. And that's where, so before this, after the flood, they have a conversation in the like gym or Rexon or whatever, where they've got all these, you know, refugees basically huddled up. He's talking about that. The dad has been saying he has a plan to fix this now that they've trapped the, housekeeper and her husband in the basement and you know finally after the flood he kind of the veneer breaks and he's just like i no, i don't have a plan i have never had a plan every time i've ever had a plan it has only led to disappointment i don't make plans anymore i fly by the seat of my pants and survive because that is the only thing i can do and that is fucking bleak yeah (laughs) it's like one of the most intense like scenes in a movie i've seen in a while (laughs) it's heavy heavy shit and i'd be like i think a lot of people have felt like i've certainly felt similar feelings in my life before i think everyone does to some extent but like god damn is it (laughs) really cuts you to the core there yeah i i've certainly been in similarly nihilistic headspaces that's you know thankfully not something i have totally succumbed to because that sounds awful but like I get it. And that's the the juxtaposition it sets up at the end with his son is he's still sitting there making a plan to free his dad. But like Park said, having just watched the plan play out, you're like, this is ridiculous. This is so out of tune with the rest of the movie because it's not going to happen. Yep. Yeah. And And also it's like, how fucked up is it that the answer to at the end of this movie is like rise and grind shit. You know, it's like mm-hmm. better get back out there and try again, bucko. <laughs> you got to get your dad out of the basement. So you got to make some fucking money. It's just yeah. out of, it's, well, it's so like, bleak. <laughs> there's, there is a bleak way of taking it. There's also, uh, you know, trying, he's, you know, now going to go off to college and try to break the generational poverty cycle way to look at it too i've heard both arguments talking about this with dylan and things like that but it's it's not a happy ending by any means yeah Yeah. i i think i can see like for him yeah like i do i i disagree with the like it's impossible for him to do this i think if your only goal in life is to make a lot of money it's not that hard to do like if the only thing you care about is making a a Mm -hmm. ton of money and you totally dedicate yourself to that it's possible. I just think that's like kind of a monstrous way to live, right? But like, mm-hmm. but the whole movie previously was kind of setting up that like, in order to do that, like, the way capitalism is built, it's like, uh, you are by necessity taking food out of someone else's mouth, right? Yeah. Like this mm-hmm. system is set up to like, 
if you climb the ladder, you are by necessity kicking other people off of it, right? So it's like, to me, it feels really dark because it's like, oh, in order for him to get his dad out of this basement, he's got to do the same thing the rich family did to get where they were, unless they were just born into it. But you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. They're, Somebody did something. Yeah, right. They're going to have to do what they did to get into the house in the first place all over again, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, man, that's heavy shit. <laughs> and I think yeah. I didn't... The first time I watched it, the ending felt like happier to me for some reason. But this watch uh, felt a lot darker. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Well, I think particularly like the idea and the image that like that's what he has to do to get himself up a notch on the ladder and then also like you know literally pull his dad out of the basement yeah well, even then i guess the dad can never leave right because the whole i kind of i was thinking about this i was like if the dad is just in the basement you need to get him out you could probably do yeah. some similar thing yeah some sort of heist well, yeah, situation I... to get him out but like the dad can never leave the house is the yeah, thing he's, right he's, a, like, he's uh, wanted for murder he has yeah to which is like why he needs house. to buy the house which wouldn't allow the dad to leave the house, but it would let him at least come upstairs. Yeah, I, I guess I, I think I said literally leave the basement, but I should have said like proverbially leave the basement of, you know, pull him up a rung on the ladder with him. Yeah. It's all- and to do that, they, you know, how many people died. <laughs> yeah. And obviously it's not literal death most of the time in the real world, but like sometimes it is life, right? you know, sometimes people just starve to death. Yep. Yep. Sometimes it is life or death stakes with these things. Some people got to steal to eat. That's the world we live in. It's all very metaphorical, <laughs> you know, very <laughs> metaphorical. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I still, I don't think that the end is like without hope. Because yeah, it's not totally bleak. You know, I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad he has the, like a the way... son has a plan that isn't going to work the way that he just imagined it. But like his his life's not over. There's a possibility that he will find greater comfort yeah. and happiness. And it's like if he can hang on to that, I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah, like, like, and I hope the dad can get out of the fucking basement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I hope the dad does literally hope, get out. I do of the have basement. hope that one day he will get to leave the basement. <laughs> We're also forgetting a very like major thing, and that that's the housekeeper's dead body is also in the basement with him. Oh no, he buried he buried her. Did he bury her? He did. Yeah, there was a oh, whole. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a whole like, thing. Yeah, he was like, I'm lucky that no one is in the house right now, yep. so I could give her a proper burial. Because I guess that is right. You're right. They might have actually thought of that when they were filming it. They're like, Oh my god, <laughs> the body's <laughs> there, which really explains why the. Uh, her uh, husband was uh, a little different when he came out of the basement the uh, at the end of the movie mm-hmm. why he was uh, so mad <laughs> yes yeah she got kicked down the stairs and died yeah which i didn't i never like put it together that uh, i guess that was on mostly the uh, like the mom from the poorer family you know she yeah killed, she she kicked her <laughs> she back down her. the stairs yeah. yeah and again how on the nose is it that she kicked somebody else back down the stairs to try and Save yeah, keep them. her own position? Yeah. The verticality is very important. and yeah, Very important. And in this movie, it literally killed her. Yep. Ooh, bleak. But also, hope. <laughs> Maybe. Metaphors. I guess so. 
life. I don't know, dude. It's a good ass movie. Yeah, I for a while I, I I was trying to like read into the rock thing, and I was like, oh, is the rock like misplaced hope that like you can like climb the ladder and have everything be like hunky dory, you know? But that didn't really end up end up working out. Um, first, when he got literally beat over the head with it, and then <laughs> second, when he like puts it back in like a stream or something, and then seems to be the most hopeful he's ever been in the whole movie. So mm-hmm. uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> I was when I was watching it, I was ready for my big take on the rock, and then he puts it back <laughs> in the like water, and like, well, <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know if like he looked at the rock as like, you know, they get the rock, then they come up with this whole idea for a get rich quick kind of scheme. Or not even a get rich quick, just a survive scheme. Yeah, because I don't even move out of that well, apartment. No, it does turn <laughs> into a get rich quick scheme. We are completely forgetting about the really fucking uncomfortable relationship between the high school daughter and the college age son. Oh yeah. Because I think the I, family I has a whole discussion my... about like yeah, you two gonna get married, and then like yeah. we're gonna like if you groom this child, yeah. we may marry rich. We'll marry although, rich and be out of the out of the shit. <laughs> although I do think some of that scene is like drunken rambling, you know. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was. Hmm. <laughs> I th- I do think it is supposed to be like pie in the sky, like this is not gonna happen thing. But the hopeful son on some level is like, oh, maybe I will. Which, again, is creepy because he's an adult and she's 15. Yes. Uh, And also, I don't know how... There's always, like, weird cultural differences going on with, like, how cool that is. But, like, even the... uh, Like, his friend who's, like, in college was like, after she graduates high school, I'll ask her out. I'm like, so there's clearly some line here, but it definitely seems different than the one in the United States. (laughs) Which, I mean, that's what he says, too, but... Also, like, he's, like, making out with her. Just, yeah, uh, I don't. Don't do that. I, I, I do not know enough about Korea to have much of a take on that uh, other than it yep. made me sad. <laughs> don't know what the age of consent is. Still probably should not do that. Don't yeah, really want to cool Google what the age of consent is in South Korea. Because yeah. that always looks a little sketchy when you're Googling age of consent for certain countries. If you are an age of consent knower, that there is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> unless you are 60 leave a comment if you know so we can ban you forever (laughs) (laughs) if you are concerned about what that is that is not good if you give the crypto land Um, answer we're calling the cops the only time it's cool to be concerned about that is if you are like a a high schooler who's like can i still date my like you know there's like weird lines of like i'm like i am turning 18 and my partner is 17 or like 16 what happens now yeah Yeah. that that's the only time it's (laughs) the only acceptable to google (laughs) anyways i had oh i had a thought about the rock which is maybe the rock is uh trying to emulate I just the college friend. The, like so, did I. so did I. <laughs> the rock, the person. He's been in my overly online gamer news feed today, too, because there was something where he, he said The Rock announced that he is playing the main character in an upcoming film based on a 
major video game franchise and no further details. Monster Hunter 2. My prediction, baby. Gears of War, but Monster Hunter 2, give it to Monster us. Monster Hunter 2. <laughs> Lots of people were like, it's Mario. They're making another Mario movie, and this one has the rock. Parallel Mario. <laughs> the mario cinematic universe yes please anyways no okay the rock the the physical rock in the film parasite symbol for trying to you know do this this imitation of the college friend by you know tutoring and setting himself up to bootstrap himself in that manner because that is one thing he says at the end is like i'm not gonna do it you know through college or tutoring i'm gonna find another way maybe i don't know it you know rejecting the half-hearted hand offered by this friend that's not really doing anything to help him yeah the tutoring job is you know it's help but it's short term at best it's not a long-term solution even if he didn't do all of the con artist stuff it would just be it's until you are tutoring this person for whatever pittance you're getting until I come back from study abroad. Yeah. No. The only way, as, you know, yeah, the only way the family would have had enough money to like buy that house was if like, they were probably getting a pretty good haul between the, like the four of them, but mm. that's not happening anymore. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> and even then, like there's no way they'd actually get enough to like buy that house. Right. Cause yeah. Yeah. And it was, they were basically like four people doing four different part-time, well, one full-time job as the housekeeper, but that plus three part-time jobs. Yeah, the housekeeper was probably making as much as the other three of them combined, honestly, because yeah. just like the way they presented it was so good of like, oh, it's mm-hmm. this like special <laughs> uh, thing. But yeah, the, the mom was definitely making the most money out of the four of them. Yeah. So a house of... That approximate size. So the house in this film was uh, built on a set. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only built the first floor and then had like green screen for the second floor for or blue screen, I guess, is what they used for all the outdoor shots. Oh. But a house of about that size in South Korea in an area like that would cost around seven point five million dollars. And it's. Man, it gets complicated, though, because it's like a famous house before the murders. It's like this famous yeah. architect lived there. So that will inflate the price a lot. Yep. But then there were horrible murders there. So that will deflate the price unless you're a weirdo. <laughs> and, the, you know, like, so I have no idea where it stands. Maybe maybe we're back to square one of around seven million. This is probably- <laughs> yeah. I think it's also interesting that the... The movie never really solidifies what the wealth level of the Park family is. Because it's unclear what exactly the dad does, but it kind of just seems like he's some upper level tech executive. And like, you know, that pay is pretty good, but I don't think he's like Elon Musk or some shit. I think it it was enough to be like more than you, like you, the audience, you know, like the vast Uh majority of people watching are like not do not have that much money yeah you don't have to they be have a driver housekeeper you know all that stuff you don't have to be elon musk rich to afford a seven million dollar house by any means yeah. yeah like if he's you can be 
CEO of Tesla, Richard. Well, I guess that, that is Elon Musk. Be Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm, just I'm not just describing Elon Musk. Uh, I mean, you could be any kind of C-suite member and be that, mm-hmm. you know, be able to afford a house like that. But Park Jeff Bezos, CEO, salary is only $252,000 a year. Wow. Fuck him. <laughs> Uh, man think of how long he had to save up to go to fucking space (laughs) (laughs) he had to save five thousand years of his salary to accumulate his 150 billion dollars i'm amazing how did he do that he could still afford that 10 gallon hat (laughs) (laughs) i forgot or his horrifying plastic surgery (laughs) oh what a fucking douche clown his his face God. is slowly turning into like a slipknot mask. It's really <laughs> unsettling. <laughs> oh God! Oh, like a like a later slipknot when they get like less Halloween costume and more just like plastic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not just like a scarecrow mask. Yeah, they kind of got creepier as they bag. went. It was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we uh yeah, running a tad long. I don't have anything else. Anybody got anything? No. I don't okay. believe so. I mean I think it's pretty clear we all recommend Parasite. Yep. We think it's really good. And any Bong Joon Ho movie, really, like Snowpiercer, Oakja, Mother, uh go watch his films. They're they're incredible. I have yet to watch a bad one. Alright, then yeah, we are in agreement. Watch Parasite. It's really good. It's on Hulu. It's extremely accessible. You have no excuse unless you don't have Hulu. Fair enough. But otherwise, watch Parasite. Okay. Thank you, Comcast, for the sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Comcast own Hulu? They do. Yes. It's awful. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, because they own NBC now. That's yeah. why Hulu NBC is so bad. <laughs> I don't even. Why do they still have that? NBC made their own streaming service, too. Because streaming why is do they bad have now. Both? Streaming. Became awful. Streaming became cable. It just became cable again. And the NBC, their other one, Peacock, you have to pay and watch ads. Yes. There's no ad-free plan. I know. Because I want to watch Dr. Death so bad, and you can only watch the, like, first two episodes free. It is unusable garbage. Okay, we're getting way off topic now. You need to just cut all of this. (laughs) Anyways, Parasite is good. Watch Parasite. Thanks for listening to our overly long podcast about it. We will see you next Thursday. Find us on all the stuff at JumpCutsPod, Park Instagram, SummerHour underscore Brewing, Will on Twitter at WillPostWords, and on YouTube at Will Johnson. That's with a T. Probably, I don't know, maybe my southern accent parries that. Sometimes I think it does. Uh, me, I'm Charlie. You can find me on Twitter at Charlie B Posts, and that's all. That's everything. We will see you next time. Oh, there's Spotify ratings now. Five star rating on Spotify. I think like only on like mobile for some reason. Yeah, though. it's weird. Yeah. Also, I think you're not supposed to say technically rate us five stars. You're supposed to say leave a review, and if you think the show is good, no, just fucking leave a good one you dick what's wrong with you all right we'll see you next week bye fuck you mojito fiends guy (laughs) (laughs) i i kind of like him (laughs) i don't know